it's basically like pitching like all this stuff whether it's like raising money or hiring it's really a sales problem at some level that you need to just keep going and reach out to as many people as you can that are really good and have a really good pitch to why they should join you and what your mission is and why they should be a part of it and how they can help i think if you're able to do that effectively you're able to hire really great people Happy Friday and welcome to Not Boring Founders. This is the second episode of season two brought to you by FTX US and I'm really excited for this one. Today's guest is Rashir Parikh, the CEO and co-founder of Popchu, which makes it easy for creators to launch their own food brands. I actually first heard about Popchu or at least one of its projects when Anthony Pompliano or Pomp launched Bitcoin Pizza. It was all over my Twitter feed and it shows the power of working with a creator, with an audience to launch a food brand because they have distribution built in. And I think one of the big theses of the next decade is as there become more and more and more great products out there and more and more and more companies vying for people's attention, owning distribution and being able to reach customers is the most important thing. And I think Popchu is a really clever way of leveraging that. I told you with this podcast, I wanted to just hit record on the conversations that I have with founders to go behind the scenes and to be honest. So here's something honest. I made a big mistake when I first met Rashir and I didn't quite fully see the big vision because they had just worked with Pomp on that one installation at that time. So I actually passed the first time that I met Rashir and Popchu. I recently remedied my mistake and I did so on an uncapped note. Doing uncapped notes is a no-no in venture. I was so bullish talking to, to Roger the next time that we spoke that I decided to just bite the bullet, remedy my mistake. Today, I think you'll see why. Before we get to the conversation, though, a very important word from the sponsor of all of season two of Not Boring Founders. That's right. It's FTX US. If you follow crypto over the past couple of years, if you listen to the last episode, if you follow me on Twitter, you know about FTX. FTX doesn't just sponsor not boring founders. You might have seen its logo on the Miami Heat Stadium, on the Mercedes F1 race car, or even on commercials with on again, off again, Tampa Bay Bucks quarterback, Tom Brady. The company is only three years old, but this past year, FTX International raised money at a $32 billion valuation, and FTX US just raised $400 million at an $8 billion valuation. Its founder, Sam Bankman-Fried, is the richest 29-year-old in the world with an estimated net worth of about $22 billion. FTX built its reputation on offering the best crypto derivatives products in the world, but it's quickly grown to be a top three exchange by volume and by users. FTX US is rapidly growing into one of the largest UX exchanges. Professional traders have loved FTX for a while, but if you haven't used it, now you can with the FTX app. The FTX app, which was born out of the company's acquisition of Blockfolio, is the most complete crypto app that allows users to buy crypto and NFTs with no fees, use a crypto debit card, track their entire crypto portfolio, and get important news updates. It's an easy place to buy crypto like Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Solana with zero fees in a matter of minutes. The FTX app is cheaper than any other cryptocurrency exchange. There's no fixed minimum fee on transactions, no ACH transaction fees, no withdrawal fees, and you can even set up recurring buys directly from your bank account for a dollar cost averaging strategy. But instead of listening to me talk about it, you can just go try it for yourself. You can go to your app store of choice, download the FTX app, and when you sign up, enter my code, not boring, all one word. And when you trade $10 worth of crypto, you get a free coin. 
you can do that. Or you can check the show notes in Spotify, Apple, whichever podcast player you use. And there's a link that'll do it all automatically for you. Again, that's FTX app. Download it. Not boring is the code. It's a great way to say thank you to FTX for sponsoring season two of Not Boring Founders. Thank you, FTX US, for supporting conversations like this one with Rashir Parikh, the CEO and co-founder of PopChu. Rashir, thanks for coming on Not Boring Founders. To kick us off, let's start with the basics. Can you tell us what PopChu does? Yeah, thanks for having me. PopChu is a platform that allows creators to build their own virtual restaurant brands at a national scale. What does that mean? Are you building out restaurants for creators? Are you making food for them? Like, where does what PopChu does kind of begin and end with with creators? Yeah, great question. So, I'd say like our overall thesis is that food delivery today is both boring and lonely. You're scrolling on DoorDash, uh, scroll through a list of restaurants. You know, you place your order and it arrives in a white plastic bag, and then you eat by yourself on the couch in front of the computer. And so that's not fun at all the way that food is meant to be right food is like if you go out to eat it's fun it's social it's interactive and for us it's really about like how do we bring those things to food delivery and so part of that is building brands with creators that we know and love and the second part of that is building food experiences for example being able to see what your friends have ordered being able to send food to friends which is super popular on college campus and even you know parents being able to load up their kids accounts instead of you know the account at at their dining hall so those are the types of things that we're building to bring food and fun together. And in terms of how you actually fulfill, what's the national network look like? So today we have independent network of in, you know restaurants all across the country. Uh, most of these are mom and pop restaurants. You know they'll own one or two locations, but increasingly we're adding larger enterprise accounts as well that might have between twenty to fifty locations across the country. What's that relationship like? Yeah. So for the restaurant, it's really about you know, being able to drive incremental revenue to their business, right? They already had the staff. They already were paying for the lights to be on. They're already paying for the space. And they're able to take on pop shoe brands, hook into our supply chain and, you know, cook the menus and cook the recipes that we provide them. And, you know, the DoorDash driver would come pick it up, deliver to the customer. But for the restaurant, it's both a way to make more money, but also save money. So not only are we driving these orders to their business, but on top of that, when they're hooking into our supply chain, right, we're, we're actually, we have a, a test kitchen here in Manhattan and we'll go in there, you know, we'll do all of the recipe development, you know, the creators taste testing, they're involved in the process. We'll finalize the menu, finalize the recipe, U.S. food, Cisco, these sort of like national food distributors will stock our ingredients and we'll pull from their existing sort of like skew list. And then all of our restaurants can just like hook into that skew list, right? So they have a login into this sort of like ingredient ordering portal, if you will. They can order everything from there. It shows up at their door next day, and they can basically get to cooking um, all of our brands. And one of the things that you mentioned last time we talked was this idea that they wouldn't only use your wholesale food relationships for pop two brands, but they could use it for the restaurant as well. Yeah. Can you talk about that? Yeah, it's a great point. So we actually have this restaurant in LA um, as an example where and we just launched uh, a brand with ZS, the chicken wing brand called Wing Season. You might not know this, but there's like a national wing shortage going on right now. And so not only were we able to negotiate pricing and actually get an allocation, which is like so hard for even any you know independent restaurant to do right now, but we were able to get an allocation of wings all across the country and at a price that was cheaper than what an independent restaurant is able to get. 
right? So if we take this restaurant that's in LA, they were getting raw chicken wings delivered to the restaurant, which would mean, you know, it would arrive. They would then need to prep it, bread it, then freeze it so that it can be used for service for the next day or whenever um, they needed it. Instead, our wings are not only cheaper, but they also come, you know, pre-breaded, par-cooked. And so all they need to do is sort of flash fry it at the time of service and it's ready to go. Um, and so, it, you know, save them a ton of labor, but it was also cheaper than what they were paying previously. I didn't realize chicken wings and being a venture had so much in common, but allocations are hard to come by come by everywhere. I, I, as we've joked about before we started recording, was an idiot and passed on the last round, but you just uh, announced around could you tell us a little bit about that and then we can go into my punishment for not investing in the round. <laughs> yeah so we actually just raised in august uh pop shoes seed round so we raised 3.6 million dollars led by long journey ventures adding in wonderco flybridge and a handful of others as well one thing that was super important for us was you know there's three sort of like distinct sides of the business there's the consumer product side of building this sort of like food experience layer there's the creator component and how do we go and acquire creators? How do we manage them? How do we work with them? And then there's obviously this like core operations layer and making sure that you know we're able to service our customers, provide really great food, and everything that's in, involved with performance management of restaurants. And so on the consumer product side, you know, Long Journey Ventures has a deep background working in consumer, but we also added in uh, Russ Yusupov, really understands sort of social interactions with the age group that we're targeting um, is also just like a really good product sense. On the creator side, we added uh, Stephen Glanis, who's you know CEO of Cameo, entire business built on creators. We also added in Mateo from Eight Sleep, who is a pretty steep cap table with a bunch of athletes and a handful of sort of like people from agencies as well that came into the round there. And we also actually added Jake Paul and his fund, Anti-Fund, to that creator component as well. And obviously, you know, he's one of the most widely known creators that that's that exists and you know has a lot of relationships with other creators out there and then finally on the operations side we added in the uber alumni syndicate which obviously has deep expertise in on-demand logistics and even with uber eats obviously working with restaurants at scale this you're talking about building relationships with consumers building relationships with creators and then building a logistics network. So there's three different kind of things there. Yeah. What of those things do you do now? And then yep. what do you plan to do in the future? Yeah. So one of the key elements, so we can walk through all three of those pieces, consumer, creator, and, and restaurants. One of the key pieces is, is this consumer side, right? And so today we interact with our customers through DoorDash or Uber Eats. We also have direct ordering through sort of just like a third-party integration that we have where we can actually own the customer data. Um, but that's one area that we're going to be spending a ton of time in and really sort of like the product team is going to be focused on. The key reason for that is one, owning the customer data is super important so that we can go remarket, retarget, drive loyalty, drive engagement across not just like the one brand that you ordered from, but across all of Pop Shoes brands. And then I think there's a sort of like interesting piece that we can talk about later where with each brand that we launch, the creator is, is launching that on PopChu and they're they're bringing their own audience through their brand up into you know, what is essentially PopChu's audience now. And over time, the more brands that we launch with these creators, the larger that PopChu's umbrella grows. That's like one of the key sort of like powerful elements of what we're building 
is that over time, this like umbrella is, is getting larger and larger. And so our ability to sort of command marketing increases. Let's say I'm a pomp fan. I came in through Bitcoin pizza and then now I'm under the pop shoe umbrella. How much do you think the pop shoe umbrella matters to people who are coming in through a creator relationship? And then to the extent that it doesn't initially, what do you do to build that relationship? One of the things that we've done to start building that pop shoe brand earlier is you know, we produce content on our own side now. So whenever we do a brand launch, we'll have a little show that we're calling In the Lab with Pop Shoe that we'll have the creator sort of like sit down and do with us where they basically talk through what they did that day in the test kitchen, what the interaction was like with the team at Pop Shoe, what they're building as their brand. And it's sort of like a collab almost that we push out the content with. That way, Pop Shoe starts getting into the mind of this end, end customer. And over time, right, as you're ordering... There's actually a uh, giant QR code on the bag. And when you scan that, you enter into PopChu's loyalty program. So no matter where you ordered from, DoorDash, Uber Eats, Grubhub, doesn't matter, you can enter into our omni-channel loyalty program. For every dollar that you spent on your order, you earn 100 points. They can then redeem for prizes, which range from PopChu prizes to creator prizes, right? Like being in their next YouTube video, for example. That's just another way where you can interact with the brand of PopChu. And not to mention customer service, obviously, is, is pop show as well. It's, you don't have to deal with like DoorDash or Reeds. It goes straight to us. So over time, we're going to continue to build pop shoes brand alongside these creators. And basically, as we launch these creator brands, use that to funnel straight into growing the pop shoes brand. What do you want pop shoes brand to stand for to people who come in through the creators? Yeah, I think the core identity needs to be fun and social, right? I think like... There is no Snapchat version of food delivery today as a way to put it, right? There's no like TikTok version. There's no Tinder version. Every sort of like food delivery option that we have today is effectively a utility. And you see that with, you know, the way that they're growing, right? When you look at DoorDash, they're not going and figuring out how do we add a social layer. They're going and adding, you know, delivery from CV, um, right? Or delivery from the drugstore, Uber is doing like package delivery, right? And so it's, it's much more about being a utility versus being yeah. like a true consumer brand that you can like interact with and know and love. And I think for us, one of the key ways that we'll be able to see that over time is what is our retention? And like, wh- do people actually switch between pop shoe and any sort of like alternative, right? Because if you think about like, you know, people that are ordering Uber, when it's like Uber and Lyft, a lot of people are just like comparing prices. They have both apps on their phone. And so for us, it's like, can pop should become that like one destination place where you go to like have fun with food. It's such, I mean, it's such an interesting bet to take, right? Cause there's so many smart people at Uber, at Lyft, at DoorDash. Lyft obviously tried in the beginning to kind of brand itself with the mustache and as the kind of like yeah. anti Uber friendly thing. Yeah. And then they all kind of tend towards this kind of utility state at the end. When you think about kind of the difference between what they've done and, and what you're doing, how do you avoid that from happening and becoming a utility over time? Yeah, I mean, I think like part of the reason why they're doing that is because that's mass market appeal, right? They're trying to go after a very large cohort of users that span all age ranges. But for PopChu, you know, it's a true focus on Gen Z, this sort of like younger audience who is coming up around technology, who cares about brand, who cares about the way the brand feel, uh, who cares about like, you know, this interaction with their friends. Uh, in the digital world and the real world and really just focusing on 
that as our like our target market and how we can serve their needs best. Yeah. How do you think about both retaining the people who are Gen Z now? I guess they'll always be Gen Z, but are yeah. younger now and will be older in the future and balance that with acquiring kind of the, the new young cohort each time? Yeah. Well, I, I think it's it's not necessarily like a thing that shifts as you age, right? So even if you look at an older generation today, they still have their own like favorite influencers. There's millennials would be a fan of like the Kardashians, for example, versus the Gen Zers might be more of a fan of the Demilios. So each generation will have their own thing. Someone put it to me, the influencer industry is not something new. It's actually like one of the oldest industries that exists. Yeah. When you actually look at it that way, it's it's really interesting. And for us, it's like, let's start with this younger generation that you know, we ourselves as a team identify with and build for them as they grow, you know, we'll keep bringing on new cohorts of creators. And over time, Pop Tree's brand will also grow. And I think the future state is in a year or two from now, it would be great to be international, right? Be in every single major city across the country and across the world. We're seeing a bunch of sort of like ghost kitchen creator type stuff come out of South Korea, for example, one of our friends actually just like launched a company that lets you send food to your friends in South Korea. So I think it's, you know, a growing trend. And then, you know, over time we'll see, uh, you know, actual flagship stores and things like that uh, pop up as well, um, where it's not just about coming in and, you know, the pop Chu flagship store is not McDonald's. Uh, it's much more of an experience where you can come in, there's merch, there's like, you know, a place where you can hang out. And then also you can like get food. I don't know if you've like been to the kids store in, in Manhattan, but similar vibes. So we have international, we have flagship locations. I heard Merch in there. What is the kind of future state fully baked vision? Maybe you said one to two years, like five years, 10 years down the line, future state vision for Papchio. Yeah. I think like this will be the go-to launcher brand as a creator. Beyond that, I think like this is where if you're Gen Z or in our target market, this is the default food that you eat. Right. It's not Burger King and Subway brands that you don't care about. It's pop shoe brands that you care about and creators that you want to support and friends that you want to hang out with. How much of a responsibility do you think you have to feed people good things? Like if you're coming in on this vector, that's not necessarily the restaurant itself and people aren't maybe necessarily choosing on the type of food. Do you have a responsibility to them? I mean, we take that responsibility seriously. A bunch of care in menu development, recipe development are team on the culinary side comes from sweet green chipotle shake shot companies like that where they know how to work at scale but also produce like good high quality food so when we go into our test kitchens you know we're taking that into mind and we're selecting the best products that are available right so if we're going to do chicken wings for example we'll pick one of the highest skews like one of the best skews of wings that we can because we want the product actually be good, right? In order for us to actually have a business that survives, especially in food, retention is one of the most important metrics that we have. Yep. So making sure that we're serving great food that tastes really good, but also like holds up well during delivery, super important. To that last point, I mean, you know, we spent days, weeks, months, maybe even just like looking at different types of packaging, um, right? So that it would like hold up well during delivery, you know, make sure that it like lends out some of the steam so that it doesn't get super soggy when it gets to your door, but it still keeps everything like nice and warm. So we take a ton of care into all these types of things. Switching gears a, a little bit, pretend I'm Charlie D'Amelio and I'm not on Pop Chew yet. What's the pitch? Yeah, uh, the pitch to the creator is 
one, uh, a new form of revenue, and two, a way to interact with your audience in a deeply personal way. If you think about what creators have today, you know most of them are selling some form of merchandise. Right? They'll sell a t-shirt, or they'll sell a candle, or they'll sell makeup, but generally things that their audience would buy once or twice in a year. Um, but with food, we're seeing people that are ordering it every other week. And so one, the level of interaction is you know so much higher, but two, it's this even deeper level of something that's personal, right? Like you're literally ingesting it into your body. There's like a deeper sort of like engagement that you get with your with your audience. And you know, when each launch that we do so far, we've actually done a, a launch event. So if we take Bitcoin Pizza, for example, that was our, our first brand that we did with Pomp, literally a thousand people showed up to this thing uh, in Washington Square Park. It was wild. People had driven, you know, hours to be there. And it was great to be able to actually, you know, for us to be able to interact with them. But also, you know, Pomp was there. And I'm sure that there was like a level of loyalty that was built uh, because he did that. Um, and when we did, you know, the wing brand, for example, wing season with Zeus, there was a launch event in LA. There was a launch event in New York. Same thing happened. Hundreds of people showed up. There was just like deep sort of like loyalty that was built where we're seeing those exact fans order again and again and again. One, I think that's super important. And then two, as an additional form of revenue, lightweight on the creator side to actually work with us, right? You come in, you have an idea of what type of brand you want to do. You have an idea of the kind of food that you're interested in. And we're basically setting up a platform to handle the rest with as much interaction as, as you want to have. And at scale, you know, we're building these brands to run for six months, a year, two years, even longer. They're not necessarily meant to be a one week sort of like test case. If the creator is thinking about it in that lens, they become a lot more involved and we're seeing that. We take a, a brand like uh, Wing Season and, you know, Zeke came to us, uh, knew that he wanted to do chicken wings. And then we also looked at the data that we had available and, and saw that wings do exceptionally well. And especially with his sort of audience um, and his background, right? He was a football player. Um, and so, you know, it's just sort of like fit his whole like personality. And he wanted unique flavors that were affordable and would able to be a reach his fans. And so, you know, we went into the test kitchen and one of the flavors that we came up with is literally an orange soda wing, um, which is hilarious. Literally like no other wing brand would do something like that. You know, one of the things that we're trying to create there is essentially like a, you know, Willy Wonka chocolate factory type of experience for these creators where you can come in and make your dreams come true around whatever type of food that you want to do, right? And we're in there as sort of like the lab technicians in a way who can support you in making that thing. Um, and so that I think that's like the the vision there. And, you know, as we start producing more content around the actual kitchen, you will see some of those vibes come through. So I, I would assume you just take a chicken wing and you just dunk it in orange soda. Is that how the test kitchen works? Uh, not quite like that, um, but... Uh, close enough right so like we would have come up with a handful of of different flavors right so like when we did orange soda i think there were maybe like 15 different variations that were available the day that zias came to taste test and those variations are fairly distinct right in level of spice and level of like oranginess um type of color and he's able to go in to like talk about which ones he likes and which one he doesn't like and right then and there, make changes, right? So for example, one of the things that he wanted was a bit more of a flavor of an actual orange juice 
versus like orange zest, right? And so right then and there, we're adding more orange juice to one of the sauces, and then he's taste testing it and seeing if it's you know more to his liking or not. Without going into specifics on a particular person, how should a creator think about the economics, and then how did economics work for for Pop Juice business? High level, a lot of it's going to be based on your reach and your engagement with the audience. One of the core components is that you have equity ownership in your brand, right? That's one of the things that a lot of creators don't get with many of the partnerships that they do today. This is not a, um, you know, a, a thing that you're just necessarily like advertising or it's not like an affiliate program or anything like that. It's a true brand that you're building as your own thing. And so you have equity ownership in it. And obviously as part of that, you also get a revenue split as well. That, have you thought about like, what an exit looks like for one of these brands or like kind of what happens after after two years for the successful ones? Yeah, I mean, I think generally we're wanting to support creators that are uh, in it for the long haul. Um, and so ideally, you know, we're still running those businesses two, three, four years in. I think what one of the things that we see just sort of like in the food world is that PE firms go in and like buy out franchises. I don't know if that's exactly like in our cards for the future. We'll see. But one thing that we are, you know, always conscious of is, you know, how do we go and drive more margin over time, both to Popshu and, and to our creator partners? And part of that means finding efficiencies on the restaurant operations side of the business, right? Whether that means instead of continuing to have a restaurant tour in their existing restaurant produce the food, maybe we actually help them move into a structure or building that's optimized for Popshu food or Popshu brands. And so there's there's various things that we can do to sort of like, you know, optimize the actual like unit economics over time for our creators and for ourselves. It's a totally different question now, throwing you all over the place. Your hiring style is one of the the more kind of like fun and unique that I've seen. How do you think about hiring for the key roles on on the team? There's a bunch of different tactics that we have. One is going out and just like meeting people, right? I think like one of the things that like we've been really fortunate about is we're in a big city. There's always like tech events. We're actually going to start throwing events ourselves, like dinner parties and things like that with people that are interested in what we're building. Um, but meeting people outside is is one of the key things. The second piece is just through our content, through our creator partnerships, we find a bunch of people. Every time like we do a brand launch, people come and apply for roles because they hear about PopShare and what we're building. And then obviously through our network as well, yeah, I've spent the last four or five years working in product and engineering and, and sort of like tech backgrounds and to so have a decent network uh, in the Bay Area in New York. And Nick, my co-founder, has spent an equal amount of time working on operations in ghost kitchen and virtual brand companies. So it has a bunch of access to talent in sales and ops and marketing. And so it's all those things combined that helps us, you know, get more people on board. At some point, too, you're going to have this network of influencers who can just kind of target at any candidate, have their favorite influencer call them and, and get them hired. So the flywheel is that's like, actually it goes, a, goes deep here. Yeah, that's actually a funny thing. My So I actually dropped out of college and then ended up uh, working at a company called Bellhops. And at Bellhops, we were trying to hire this guy to run SEO, and he loved Nas. And Nas was actually an investor in Bellhops. And so um, Nas, CEO, by the way, low-key, incredible investor. Yeah, no, for sure. Queensbridge is like an incredible portfolio. But he got Nas to tweet at the SEO guy and say, like, <laughs> hey, you should go like work at PopShu. And, you know, a month later, he's working at PopShu. So pretty, pretty insane. That is, that is unbelievable. What are, what's one other 
kind of like weird trick? I feel like your brain just works in a different way. Like what's another weird trick that another startup founder listening should steal? Weird trick to hiring? Uh, or, or whatever. Like, is there like something that you think you do super uniquely just across the business that somebody else should steal? I don't know if there's like anything that's like super unique. I would say like one of the things that I try and do is make sure that like I'm on Twitter and watching who's looking for roles and, but also just like who's good and who has an audience. I think like one of the things that I sometimes find is that a lot of the best people aren't necessarily like immediately looking for a job. They're like, you know, they're doing really good work. They're excited about what they're working on. And so it's a lot more about going out and like finding those people and poaching them versus just like sifting through the people that are applying. It's basically like pitching, like all this stuff, whether it's like raising money or hiring, it's really a sales problem at some level that you need to just like keep going and reach out to as many people as you can that are really good and like have a really good pitch to why they should join you and what your mission is and why they should be a part of it and how they can help. I think if you're able to do that effectively, you're able to hire really great people. Incredible. So to end, where can people look if they want a job and then where should people go if they want to eat? orange soda chicken wings so if you want a job popshoe.com slash jobs and if you want to eat orange chicken soda wings uh orange soda chicken wings sorry uh popshoe.com uh you'll see wing season right there and you can click order hell yeah thanks so much for joining me man this is gonna be a really fun one to be on i'm actually at some point gonna order these these wings uh but really looking forward to, to being a part of this with you thanks so much 